Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about the nutrient iron on today's show. And we're also going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, of course, radio at agphd.com. We'll try to get to as many of those radio questions as we can here a little later in the show. We've got a number of them already uh, that Janelle's been so kind as to print out for me. So they're sitting right in front of my face. Uh, kind of intimidating when you know, oh man, we got a, we got an exciting show today. I'm really, really glad about some of the guests that we've got coming on and uh, wouldn't be surprised if we get a few calls uh, about this, the topic of iron as well uh, along the way. So a lot to get to. Uh, one of the things that I was working on today is just talking to um, a corn breeding company and just discussing some of the things that they saw this year. And it was kind of interesting to me. Obviously, uh, you know, when you're looking at a, a corn crop across North America, it's a little different than if you're just looking in the one or two counties that you farm in. And you see, okay, there are some issues in different areas that I can learn from. And I thought this was really interesting because the the breeder that we were talking to, he he said, hey, uh, I haven't seen root problems on this one, but I did see a green snap issue. And on another hybrid, well, he goes, this one, the stalks kind of gave up in some of the stressful conditions. And it got me thinking, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, I had corn that fell apart or corn that fell over or corn that melted. Uh, choose your favorite term to, to describe a cornfield gone wrong. But we are really talking about a lot of different things, and it's important to, to identify what those are. So let's talk about the stalks for just a second, because a lot of times people say, well, if I had a green snap issue, well, that must be indicative of a poor quality stock. And that that really isn't the case. Uh, I've seen green snap in hybrids that I would rate uh, a 10 out of 10 for stock. Very strong stock, very stable, uh, generally a thicker stock on this particular hybrid. And then it green snapped. And there's a couple of things there. One thing can be the rigidity of the stock. And I'm thinking of one product in particular, one of my favorite 100-day corn hybrids over the last decade. Uh, it's got a strong, very, uh, man, stable stock. doesn't flex that much. And that's one where if you add more copper in the soil, we get a little bit more flex in the stock. We have a little less problem with that. But I know we've seen that before, even on ground that we've got where we didn't have the copper built up. That could be a problem. But I would say this, if you've got a decent stock on a plant in general, um, that that's a good thing. So I wouldn't worry about, oh, my stock is too uh, thick and doesn't flex enough. I'll take that versus not having a very good stock to begin with. But that green snap issue, it really can impact any hybrid out there. The big difference is how wide is the window with the hybrid that you're talking about? Is it something that can green snap from V6 until tassel? Or is it something that really has a window of, say, V10 to V12? Uh, They've all got a little window for green snap where they're growing really fast and maybe aren't as stable as, as they're going to be if they just had a little bit more time. So green snap is something that can happen. Um, another thing that we saw was root lodging. And this is one of those things where you may even have a, a corn rootworm traited hybrid, but if it just doesn't naturally put out much for roots, you could see a problem 
even if you don't have corn rootworm in the field. And I, I know rootworm got the blame for a lot of the, the issues that happened this year, and rightly so. It was a big, big problem, and I strongly recommend if you're raising corn, make sure you're doing something to protect against corn rootworm, either a planting time insecticide or a rootworm BT trait or one of the new uh, SmartStacks Pro hybrids that has the rootworm BT plus the RNAi. Uh, active against corn rootworm. We're doing that, plus we're putting on insecticide on our farm. So we're using really two traits and and RNAi and insecticide where we're doing corn on corn because it's just that big of a concern for us. Um, but corn rootworm got a lot of issues, even on hybrids that just didn't have very good root systems to start with. So that's something to look at on your farm. You can control this a little bit. So even if you have a hybrid that doesn't tend to, to put out a great big root mass, if you deal with compaction issues, if you're really careful to plant into good conditions, uh, if you do things like using natural products that have been shown to help enhance uh, root hair growth, uh, those kinds of things can be really good for you. Uh, you can certainly deal with it with fertility. If you've got, say, a two-by-two two band uh, on one side or on both sides of the row, or you're doing a strip-till band with coulters where you're mixing all the fertility in that top six to eight inches, uh, honestly, I think that strip-till band has been the best thing I've seen over the last decade for just making a great big root mass. And if you don't have compaction you just aren't going to have much for root lodging issues with a strip-till, complete banded fertility program. I, I like that a lot. So do, when you're looking at hybrids this year, talk about stocks, talk about roots. Um, those are really important things if you want to make sure that hybrid's going to stand. Another thing we talk about a lot is what kind of health are you going to have late season? Is the plant going to stay intact? Those kinds of things. If you've got a good, healthy green plant with a nice stalk and root, it's going to be really fun to, to harvest that hybrid. And then the last thing that we saw more times than not this year, uh, where we had problems with, with corn falling apart, we, we saw overpopulation and just inadequate fertilization for the population that was planted. So you can say, well, I should have planted 30,000 and I put out 34, maybe, but you also could have fertilized for 34,000, but you didn't. So one of those two things happened. It's been really eye-opening again this fall, looking at soil tests from all over. And if you've got soil tests from your farm, we're happy to take a look at them, uh, give you another opinion on them or give you a recommendation. But we, we just see nitrogen levels high, potassium levels, phosphorus levels, not good enough to support that many stocks. And we just see stock cannibalization late in the season and poor stock quality often throughout the season. So a couple things to think about there as you're picking corn hybrids this year. We're going to talk about iron and what a difference that can make in your plants on today's program. Stay tuned. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. 
Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about iron today in the Morton studio, and we're taking your calls and questions as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got our friend Reed Abbott on right now with AgroLiquid down in Texas. How you doing, Reed? Very good. How are you doing today, Darren? Well, Texas A&M got a new coach, so I was assuming you were probably doing pretty good about that. We are doing very well. Yes, we're uh, we're back in business. I I, I, I hear, anyways. So, yes, <laughs> That's good. Well, hopefully you're you're back at the top of the uh, the polls here coming up real soon. Uh, one thing that you want to see in good shape as well on a soil test is your iron levels. And I'm amazed, Reed. We get soil samples sent to us literally every day, and there's still quite a few of them that don't even measure iron on the test. Do you have that same problem? Or have you got guys down in Texas all trained that we got to see all these micros on the test if we want to make a good wreck? Well, we sure hope that they're trained. Uh, yeah, we definitely uh, recommend adding that iron test as well as all your other micronutrients. Because they are, I mean, even though they're needed in small amounts, uh, iron and, and all your other micronutrients are, are needed uh, just as much as your nitrogen or your phosphorus or your potassium or anything else. So uh, despite the fact it's, it's not a, a big input, it's a, it's a necessary one so for the, for the whole process to work its, its way through the year. So. I remember when I was just getting out of college and I remember the next house over had this dark green lawn and I asked the guy, what, what did you do to your lawn to, to make it look like that. That's amazing. And he said, iron. He goes, man, does iron just make my lawn dark, dark green. I found the same thing to be true in corn crops where we've got good levels of iron. It makes it dark green. Uh, obviously, it's involved in, photo, in the photosynthesis process. Do you think dark, dark green crops do a little bit better yield-wise, or is there an advantage to it? I do, yeah. That, that dark green, I mean, uh, I think everybody that's 
been in ag for any length of time, uh, you know, you know when you see that real deep dark green, uh, you know that that plant's working at its maximum potential, and, and iron really does play a, a pivotal role in that photosynthesis process and, and all the metabolic processes are, that are involved with that. So, yeah, addressing it or not addressing it uh, can be, you know, can lean your crop one way or the other yield-wise. So, um, you know, that's certainly something that, that we look for to make a balanced fertility recommendation and, and one that we like to really start off uh, early in the year with and, and make sure that that plant never never needs all the way through. So. I like that you said balance there because when I think about the the balance in the soil, a lot of farmers will say, ah, oh, I don't know, what's the deal with that? I just need to have plenty of N, P, and K. And uh, I got to witness this firsthand. My brother picked up some ground. It's actually the ground that the Ag PhD field day is on. And it was really low in phosphorus. And so Brian's like, well, I am going to load it up in one shot. And, you know, you do hear us talk about on the show loading up things uh, in, in a real hurry. And you can do it, but you can't forget about all the other things like micronutrients. So he put on zero micros, but he put on this massive dose of, of phosphorus. And we saw trouble with zinc. We saw trouble with iron. Yep. Uh, man, it really does make a difference when you put it to the test like that. Yeah, the your all your nutrients are are interacting with each other. It's it's funny how often I find guys that think of nutrients in their own little silos, but they really exist uh, together and they're interacting with each other. And so, if you overdo something on one end of the spectrum, you might be uh, underdoing it on the other end of the spectrum. So, and those micronutrients, uh, because of how small of amounts that we're utilizing, uh, that that doesn't sometimes take that much to tip that scale into a deficiency uh, scenario. I know you get to deal with some some soils that are high pH, some soils that are low pH. Where do you find iron uh, the easiest to work with? Well, I mean that that neutral pH is certainly uh, you know the best. Uh, you know when, when that iron is in that ferrous state. Uh, that's the most plant available and 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 e- easy to find. Uh, when you start ranging up into those higher pHs or even those super low pHs, uh, you know you can you can have issues with iron absorption into that plant and just all that uh, working out very well. But really, where we struggle with it the most, uh, at least here in the central part of the United States, uh, is is in those high high pH zones. Um, that iron really, really, we, we find a lot of uh, IDC in our soybeans and grain sorghum, those types of crops uh, that are super sensitive to, the, to that iron deficiency. All right. When we think about cost of nutrients, is iron an expensive nutrient or is it one that you'd say, you know what, iron's really not too bad? Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, it depends on which form you're, you're looking at, uh, obviously, uh, whether, you know, whether you want to, you know, do an inferro application or broadcast application or foliar application. Uh, but it's one of those nutrients that, you know, really, if you, if you're, uh, in the situation where you're going to have an issue with iron deficiency, putting it on, I mean, uh, it's, it's worth the investment. I mean, I think that you'd see that, that return in those situations. You know, if you get a low soil test or, you know, if your iron and manganese ratio is kind of out of balance, 
um, the 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 costs that you're going to incur by putting that iron uh, product in that in that program is going to yield you a return on investment for sure. You know, I, I I like that. It could be used in a variety of different ways. And one of the questions we get from growers is, can I use this particular nutrient foliar? And we have had success putting on foliar iron treatments and greening the crop up. Unfortunately, what we've seen sometimes in soybeans is we can green the crop back up in these high pH zones where we're having issues getting the right form of iron into the plant, but it didn't seem to help us with yield. It seemed like the yield damage was already done when we saw a plant that was suffering. Uh, I think it really yeah. does, like you said, start with that, whether it's an in-furrow or two-by-two or, or a soil program, something where you're, you're feeding that crop all the way through the year. Yeah, I think you have to provide an environment, uh, both in the soil and early on in that plant's life, that iron is available and remains available throughout the year. Yes, that, that foliar application is there, but as you said, it's kind of almost more of a Band-Aid uh, and, and a lot of times the damage is already done when you got to that, that particular point in the year. With most of the farmers that you work with, are they utilizing a blended micro like your Micro 500 or 1000, some of those products that have got uh, a balance of the different micros in it? Or do you find a lot of growers dealing with it one at a time that, you know what, this year I'm going after the iron and I just want an iron product? Well, I would certainly say that most guys are using some form of a blended product. Our Micro 500, uh, we feel like, is is a good, you know, balanced product with that zinc, manganese, iron, copper, and boron all in there. But, uh, again, getting back to your original question with the soil sampling, I mean, we we do find that it's important to take that soil sample and really see if we need to address one or, or two of those other micronutrients Yes, we might be putting out that, that blended micronutrient package, but having that ability to add in or spike uh, that program with a little bit of, of extra iron or zinc or, or what have you uh, really does, does provide a lot of benefits, uh, again, to kind, of, to kind of focus on that balance approach. Yeah, I I agree. I really like seeing a complete soil test and and looking at what the the ratios are between different nutrients too. And I know sometimes when we talk about ratios, it it gets people nervous. Oh no, I barely am am following you along here on some of these nutrients that we haven't looked at before. And now you're talking about ratios. But what what I'm kind of getting at is I just like seeing what yield is and what performance is. And then I go back to those really good areas and say, okay, what was good here? And compare it to some of the areas that weren't so good. And when I notice, oh man, I don't hardly have any iron compared to what I've got for phosphorus in the bad area, and and over here I got a lot more iron out there in in relation to phosphorus. That tells me something on the farm. So I, I think it's really important we look at what performance is, and and we kind of just go back. This is a great time of year. It gets awful cold up here, Reed. I know you guys are probably still out in shorts and t-shirts, but uh, it it's cold up here, so we got time to look through those things and study a little bit and learn more about nutrients like iron. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, what makes soil, soil science and, and plant science very interesting is it's a multivariable uh, uh, situation and it, and it makes it very complicated sometimes. And, and in all honesty, that's why we, we really stress uh, the importance of seeing that fertilizer expert and, and really having him help you dissect uh, what what issues you've got going on in your totally farm and, and trying to address those? So totally agree. Yep. Reed, thank it's, you uh, so much. You're always you're always uh, so generous with your time. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready? We got the need. 
The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. At Commodity Classic, you'll connect with farmers from around the world as we explore new frontiers in agriculture. Join us in Houston February 28th through March 2nd, 2024. Houston, we have no problem. Discover more at CommodityClassic.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about iron. This is something we've been watching on our farm for a long time. We we love complete soil tests. We were just talking with Reed Abbott with AgriLiquid about that. And, and we've been watching the iron levels and seeing where we're at across our farm and trying to address those as we go. Uh, it's kind of neat to, to track nutrient levels, see what kind of performance you get, do some tissue sampling, see what's actually getting in the plant, those types of things. Uh, I, I just like it. We've got a lot, lot better ways to, to manage things. And when I've got numbers in front of me, I've got a better shot to manage things. And then, of course, you use the common sense and the ground truthing that comes with scouting your fields, looking at your crops, seeing if they're 
healthy, seeing if you're being successful. Are you are you doing better than than others in your area? Are you doing at least as good as everybody else is? Uh, how are you managing the different things? So talking iron on our show, if you've got questions, if you want to talk about iron or anything else, uh, that's fine. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Clayne Jones with us right now from Montana State. How you doing, Clayne? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Darren? Good, good. Uh, I know a lot of times guys will say, oh, no, I got plenty of iron. It's uh, at a medium or high level on my soil test. But then we look at plant tissue tests and it isn't always there or we see some issues with our crop, whether it's some sort of iron deficiency, chlorosis. Even in trees, we'll see that sometimes. I, I actually had this in my own front yard. I had a tree that was showing iron deficiency and I thought what in the world's going on here how can this be but uh, it, it definitely can happen with any plant out there do you see much of this in in Montana issues with iron you know we we do see a lot with trees here especially susceptible trees like maples and aspens I see it in my garden and my strawberries I see less classic iron deficiency symptoms in crops, but I see what you see. You know, almost always our soil tests come back high and occasionally tissue tests come back low. So I believe we have to have it. We have, you know, a lot of soils, pH around 8, and therefore the metals and especially iron and zinc are likely going to be tied up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. How about temperature? Here's the other one that we get a lot of questions about, especially from from growers in the north. All right, my soils are cold and it's mid-June, maybe it's even July before my soil temps really warm up a lot. How big a factor is that in pulling some of these nutrients out of the soil? You know, I think it's a pretty big factor. Those those metals, like you know, move by this funny process called diffusion which is random motion, and that random motion is highly tied to temperature. So again, in my area, I see metal deficiencies that show up as intervenal chlorosis, green veins, and yellow between the veins, more in springtime, and then some of our plants do grow out of it later in the summer. One thing I was talking about a little bit earlier in the show is just the dark green color that that we see out of lawns and grass crops when you get that iron level right. I know you can overdo a good thing too, and I I have had guys say, well, uh, black green is not necessarily good. Dark green is great, but black green can be bad. I mean, like everything else, I'm sure there's a number that once you get past uh, this much in the plant, it's a bad deal too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know that upper level for for iron for, you know, turf and, and most of our major crops, but I think at least on cropland, there's that economic disincentive to overapply iron, whereas on a, a small front yard, there's a big incentive to do it, and I've seen <laughs> people have done it. Yeah, that's well, I, I know I talked to so many people that say, well, what rate did you use on your lawn? Well, I don't know. I just spread the whole bag. I didn't want a part bag left over. <laughs> well, if we were doing that on thousands of acres, we'd go broke. There's no doubt. Yep, exactly. Yep. So what do you guys rec- what do you guys recommend for products for iron there? Well, you know, a lot of times we like the sulfate forms of nutrients. We seem to get pretty good uptake with that. What what have you seen? Have you seen anything work better than that? You know, some of the chelated products work pretty well, but they, you know, they can be 3 to 5 times as expensive, so higher rates on something like an iron sulfate, iron chloride can certainly can certainly work. 
and it depends how they're putting it on, right? If you're putting it on in the in the soil, certainly a chelated product can be beneficial. If you're applying it foliarly, then uh, that might matter a little bit less. I really like with a lot of these nutrients doing broadcast applications on the soil. We we do a lot of strip tilling. We do some banding of fertilizer, and I get nervous about if we overdo a band of a micro since we're really not removing that much each year. I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing to have a tremendous variance as you go across your field. What's your feeling on micronutrients like iron? Yeah, that's a great point. You end up with these stripes of high they micronutrients or phosphorus. We do that all the time in our no-till. But it is so immobile. I I do like putting a little bit down uh, in the seed row because then I know the roots are getting to it, whereas if I broadcast it on top, it might take several years before the roots find it. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, one of the things that we've had here, too, I know we did a, a bunch of years where we did very, very little tillage and uh, we, we've got manure that we're putting out there, which we kind of need to work in to get the nutrients down and also to deal with the smell. Uh, and then we do some strip till. So we've got a couple opportunities to move things a little deeper in our soil. We aren't a, a true no-till really anywhere anymore. But yeah, in, in that and, and in reduced moisture environments, it, it's really tough to move some of these nutrients down without placing them down. So I, I do agree with you on that. I, I like putting stuff in the ground as much as we can. Uh, but man, if you're putting on large doses, I sure like putting them over the top. I see what you're saying. Definitely. Yeah. There's, there's just a lot of nuance to, to farming. There's no doubt about it. And it's, it's really interesting as you go from one operation to the next, they do things often quite different and, and they can all be successful, uh, as long as they know the ins and outs of, of their own strategy. We're talking with Clay Jones here out at Montana state. Anything else you want to add about, about iron? You know, probably the main thing is probably like you guys are saying, we're seeing quite a bit of acidification of our soils, especially in continuous wheat fields. And those I really expect to stop seeing iron issues just because we're getting, you know, pHs down in the five or six where iron is a lot more available. So I would encourage producers to mainly be on the lookout for iron if their pHs are probably, you know, seven and above and less of a concern if they've been falling recently. All right, talk to me about the acidification of soil because we see that uh, even even in states. Uh, and my dad grew up in North Central Iowa, and one of the things that that we believe was happening there, he, he said, "Man, our, our pH was always falling. We were putting lime out all the time. If you're putting on too much nitrogen, if that leaches through the soil, it, it often grabs a calcium as it goes out, and now we've got to add lime back to to build that calcium up. Is it over application of N?" Is it uh, anything else? I guess, what is there anything specific to small grains that could cause that? You know, it's we recommend quite a bit of nitrogen here in Montana, meaning upwards of three pounds of nitrogen per bushel. And the reason we're doing that is we're a spring wheat, high-protein state. So the, the way some guys make their money is by having nice high-protein premiums and or, you know, avoiding that protein discount. So with those high rates of nitrogen, it means some of the nitrogen is not being used. And the cause of the acidification is when urea or ammonium from urea gets converted over to nitrate, it releases some 
acid. And so we are seeing it in places that tend to be continuously cropped with an emphasis on wheat. We see it less if there's legumes in the mix, and we even see it less on fallow because nitrogen is not being applied every year. Yeah, it's really a big deal, and I, I know it sounds good when you've got an eight pH. Hey, let's let's acidify this thing <laughs> yeah. a little bit and get into the mid sixes. Yeah. I'm all for that, but if you don't right. completely understand, okay, what is the recipe that's making this happen, and how do I stop it? Uh, you could be on the other side and have to start paying for lime. So that's yeah, a great point. Well, yeah. I might have to might have to have you back on another time to talk a little bit more about that. But really appreciate the time today uh, talking with Clay Jones here with Montana State. Thanks for having me. You bet. We're talking about iron on today's program, and we're also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Insects have rained since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Your farm's greatest challenge is making sure your crop has enough fertility to reach its yield goals. But how do you know if you're applying too much of any one nutrient? Fine-tune your fertility plan with Verify. Your combine collects hundreds of yield data points per acre. Verify takes that data and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal. So you can be confident you're not over-applying. Get started today at Verify.com. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. 
A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. talking about iron on today's show and not the kind of iron you might be thinking about it's not equipment no we're talking about the nutrient and what a difference that can make in your crops you're listening to ag phd radio we've got our friend paul borges on he works out in california with different soil conditions than we've got here in south dakota irrigation uh high productivity just a, a lot of challenges out there paul thanks for joining us yeah uh, we do have some challenges out of here like like everybody else does, but uh, how have you guys been? You know, we've been pretty good. Been pretty good. We had a great fall, and uh, now it's starting to cool off a little bit, so all of a sudden we're back inside and doing some of that paperwork yeah. that's been put off for a while. And, you know, one of the things that we look at, too, we, we did fertility racks. We did a lot of fertilizer applications and manure applications this fall, and one of the nutrients that our soil tests say we've got plenty of is iron, but it's always a little tricky to know, okay, do we have plenty for 300 bushel corn? Do we have plenty for 80 bushel soybeans? Or, you know, where, where is that number? And then how does it play out in relation to the, these other nutrients? Because we got some fields that are pretty high in phosphorus. So if we're really high in phos, do we really have enough iron? How, how do you figure those things out and, and those balance kind of issues? Uh, pretty like, you know, we know with the years of experience in that field, learning that crop, the crop rotation running through there, but soil samples, tissue samples, uh, like we got a lot of dairy ground that has high phosphate, high potassium. Uh, some places there, we got to tinker with a little bit of foliar early on in the season. Uh, other places not. And then we got pockets where there's just no iron in the soil. We've dug down eight feet, took samples every foot and found nothing a very low number where we got to spoon feed uh, iron sulfate in the fall and then during the irrigation season run a little bit of iron in the water and the trees seem to be pretty happy. Don't have that dark, dark green, but a lot better than they were before. And the same thing with vegetables with the pHs at high, you know, pHs at eight. It doesn't take a lot to green them up real nice with some, uh, some liquid zinc in a growing season. You know, you speak about vegetables, and one of the things that we we read about and hear about is what are the nutrient levels like in our fruits and vegetables? Are we doing a good job? And one of the nutrients that does get mentioned from time to time is iron. Uh, is that even more of a challenge for, for high-production vegetable acres than it is in, in other crops? Uh, not as bad because of the irrigation system that's there. We could spoon-feed small shots throughout that, you know, 60-day crop, 45-day crop to get it when we want it. Uh, but you can see the places where we don't do it, there is a difference. How about sodium? Is, uh, oh, you know, go, ahead. Worked... go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Fin- finish your statement. I was I was already excited to talk about the next thing because as soon as you mentioned we're putting it in with the <laughs> irrigation water, I thought, oh, no, you guys have challenges with sodium in some of that irrigation water too. Is that yeah, something man. that's hard to fight against? The sodium, yeah, but the biggest thing that I, I really look at in my iron situation is the bicarbonates in the water. That can mess up a little, that can tie some of the stuff up, make it a little bit harder. You know, you get, uh, you know, you guys already talked about high high phosphates, copper's another one. 
that could be a problem. And then manganese is the the one you really have to watch. If your manganese is a lot higher than iron, you have problems. And then when the same thing when the manganese is real low and iron's real high, you could have manganese problems. So watching those watching those three and then on the dairy grounds, watching the phosphates, but like on the vegetables and the tree crops, uh, having the irrigation system there, we just knowing the history, then we know we want to start uh, feeding iron a little bit earlier, adding iron sulfate to the soil, and building it up a little bit more. But depending on some of our wells, the real bad bicarbonate isn't. And the nice thing, it doesn't take a lot to to, to really change it. Yeah, I know we've found iron in some of the different um, fertilizers that we put out, whether it's manure or compost or water treatment plant lime has had a lot of iron in our area. Uh, if you look at every fertility source that you're putting out, chances are for a lot of growers, they're probably putting some iron out and not even realizing it. Yes. Do you, where do you see iron being a, a big thing where you say, oh, yeah, if we're ever doing compost, that's a big one? Or, or what are some of the sources of iron that growers might not be aware of? Uh, like around here, some of the compost, and depending on what they're composting with, if it's the chicken manure or the layer manure. Uh, dairy, not as much, but I've seen some stuff this past season on iron in the chicken manure that I kind of, okay, it's nice to have in here. Uh, some of the city waste is all over the board, so you gotta, we always test the pile that we buy just to see what's in that pile. Um, the key is when you add, to me, when you're adding iron, I like adding a little manganese with it if the manganese is below the iron. Those two work very well together, and you can push them out of whack real fast, too. So if I'm doing a foliar, I want something that has both. I want a higher iron side but a little bit of manganese in it, and same thing in my water runs. I'm going to add a little bit of manganese to my liquid iron. Yeah, there's just a lot of ways. I think measuring is really the key, and we've talked earlier in the show about just taking a really good soil test, getting a complete test with all the micros, and then we're talking with Paul Borges here. He works with Stanislaus Farm Supply out in California, testing the compost, testing the manure, testing any municipal waste, any of those types of things that you're putting out there, doing a complete analysis on those two just to see what you got because it yeah. might save you a bunch of money. You're, you're looking at the N, P, and K and thinking about the big ones, but uh, on these micros you might be getting plenty from a source that you weren't even thinking about before. Hey, Paul, thank you so much. Yeah. We really we really appreciate having you on, and, and uh, thanks for uh, sending us a couple of comments along the way, even on days that, that you're not talking on the show. Sometimes you get a chance <laughs> to listen, and you can say, hey, here's an idea on nematodes or, or something else. We, we appreciate yeah. that as well. Not a problem. All right. Thanks, Paul. Well, uh, we talked about iron on our show today. Brian, anything on iron that, that you think we might have missed along the way? I think I think we've kind of hit it from the soil testing, tissue testing, various sources of iron and functions in the plant. I, I guess where we see the most problem is in high soil pH. And what a lot of people want to focus on is how do I get it, get iron into the plant today? And that's great. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm looking for is how do we fix this thing long term? So is it drainage we need to take care of? Do we just need to get our soil nutrients, our other nutrients in balance? I, I mean, what's it going to take? Because we just don't want to have iron shortages because our iron continues to convert over to ferric form instead of ferrous form. So that's probably the biggest thing that I usually talk to people about. Uh, beyond that, we were, I, I was 
just visiting with a bunch of farmers in North Dakota, and we were talking about iron deficiency chlorosis, how you need to increase your soybean population. So there's things as simple as that that can be done. But again, that's a short-term fix. Costs you some money. Why not, over the long term, try to get the soil addressed, try to get that pH down, get the other nutrients in balance, and then go from there. All right. Uh, with that, let's dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. This one from Robert, he said, I, I was listening to one of your shows. You guys were talking about how uh, corn had picked up some moisture out in the field. We saw that happen in, on our farm this year. The corn was, was actually drier uh, earlier, but then became wetter with a snowstorm and foggy, wet weather. Yeah, Robert, we, we do see that from time to time. It would be great if you could catch every single acre uh, at the ideal time, but sometimes there's you can only get over so many acres so fast when you've got good weather. Uh, any tips there, Brian, or any comments you'd make on that? Well, the challenge is in farming, Mother Nature is always going to, in some cases, uh, be fighting us, but it's always going to be a factor. And I just look at, at our own farm, and I ran our grain dryers for over 20 years myself. It was always easier to have more heat outside and more sunlight. So I would rather harvest corn a little bit wetter, run them through my dryers, and I felt like I was coming out ahead and that I, I, I didn't end up in that spot as often. But some years, that's just the way it goes. I mean, we've had rain sometimes for three weeks straight, and the, the moisture just doesn't ever get to be ideal like you're talking about. Yep, that's for sure. Mother Nature is, is pretty tough some years. I uh, got this message that came in from free who says hey guys really enjoy and benefit from your show keep up the good work thanks free we really appreciate that we'll dive back into the ag phd mailbag right after this it's smart to make the right agronomic choices and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them with the bayer plus rewards program you earn cash back on seed herbicides and other eligible products and it keeps getting smarter because now, you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, 
a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield-robbing pests, trade options including Extend Flex and Enlist, Fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we are in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. That means our phone lines are open for your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Jim uh, must be down in southeast Missouri. He said, guys, I don't see you doing any winter meetings down here in southeast Missouri this year. Uh, are you planning any coming up? You know what, Jim? Uh, Brandon and I do an awful lot of traveling, and one of the one of the interesting things that's happened in the last few years is we've gotten a lot better on technology. Uh, obviously, we've got our, our TV and radio programs that, that are on all the time and available to everybody, but also... We're live streaming some of our workshops, so you can check it out at agphd.com for our winter workshops. Uh, if you want to come up here on our farm and, and see them in person, you sure can. Uh, we, we often will stack two of them up together so you can catch two meetings in uh, just a little over a day and, and then uh, maybe just have one overnight and get back home. Or you can can catch them on a live stream as well, so check that out at agphd.com. You can, can sign up and get all the info there. Anything else you want to add to that, Brian? Uh, well, just that we love going to different areas. It's just we're obviously a little limited on time. So, yep, we, we try to get around as often as we can, but uh, just really, really challenging to do. I was in southeast Missouri about a year ago, and so, yeah, we're unfortunately not back there this winter. All right, got this one in from Benson. He said, hey, guys, uh, you were talking about no-till and the pros and the cons, and I really appreciate that you guys mentioned the cons. Uh, For widespread adoption, you just can't list the pros alone. You have to be honest about what's holding people back and what their legitimate concerns are. The only way we can solve these problems is if you identify them in the first place. Hey, thanks, Benson. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we do really like to talk about the pros and the cons because there isn't any one system that is just, oh, man, it's all positive. There's not any drawbacks or any negative considerations because if there was, well, we'd all be doing it. So thanks thanks for that. really appreciate that. I got this one from A.H. who says, hey, guys, uh, you were talking about doing some deeper zone tillage, maybe up to 20 inches. Uh, We've got some drip tape that's installed at about 16 inches. Uh, 
what would you do in that case? Would you go shallower than 16 to avoid it? Uh, if you really had a compaction issue, would you try to get in between those drip tape lines? What would you guys do? Well, I'm always going to try to take the easy way out if I can. So, yeah, I would go more shallow. Of course, if you identify, wow, we have a bad problem right at that 16 inches or 18 or whatever, then I, I guess I don't have a lot of choice. I'm going to try to avoid my drip tape and hope for the best. But I think we all know how that could turn out. <laughs> it might not be perfect. So this could be a situation where, you know, this is something that we talk about from time to time on the show. What are the jobs you should do? What are the jobs you should hire someone else to do? And what are the jobs you should have someone else on your farm do? So for something like that, if I said I have to be in between my drip tape lines and it can't get screwed up, that may be a job I go, you know what, I can't have anybody else do it. I'm going to do it myself. And then there's nobody else to blame. If it gets screwed up, it was my own fault. All right, uh, get a question about flat, or a comment, I guess, about flat rate versus variable rate fertilizers comes from YA over in Ukraine. Uh, here in Ukraine, we use NDVI, but we only do it to determine zone productivity. For applying P and K, we add soil analysis as well. Hey, thanks for the for the comment there, you bet. I, I really like seeing what that soil analysis is, and it is great looking at that NDVI footage to try to identify some productivity zones where you could benefit from some additional applications. Uh, get this one from Grant, uh, who is over in eastern Indiana. Hey, guys, I'm about to graduate college. I plan to go back and farm with my family in eastern Indiana. And I'm interested in diversifying our now two-crop rotation. So I heard you guys talking about sunflower production, and, and it was informative with your weed control options and so forth. But I'm looking into some specific ways to sell sunflowers. To my knowledge, there's no buyers anywhere close uh, to where I'm at. Do you have connections that I could contact to be more familiar with ways of marketing sunflowers? Boy, that's tough, Brian. If you don't have buyers in your area and you're trying to create a market from nothing, uh, I mean, there is a lot of bird food, I'm sure, but. If it's me, just my first thought off the top of my head is I talk to the National Sunflower Association and see if they can help you out. And you can find their information online. National Sunflower Association. So that's probably where I would start, and then hopefully they can direct you so you can get to uh, <laughs> at least some viable option. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of people that eat sunflower seeds that I'm betting in eastern Indiana you aren't too far away from some, from some larger markets where uh, you could potentially have a locally grown sunflower seed source or, or certainly bird food. But uh, I agree with Brian. That would be a great way to start. Uh, talk to the National Sunflower Association folks. Okay, Cade wants to ask about potassium. Uh, and he said, uh, guys, deer hunting is underway, and it's a good time for me to think about what I have room to improve on on the farm going forward. Um, you've been talking a lot about fertility and potassium, and I've got a few questions. Uh, for reference, I have very few fields where my base saturation K is 4% or bigger. So here's my first question. Uh, you talk about crop removal rates a lot. So a 200 bushel corn crop requires 270 pounds of K2O potassium. That's 435 pounds of potash. Am I thinking about this right? Are you guys putting that much on? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
we, we could be putting that much on. But I, I, I guess, I, so since I'm on the road, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not writing stuff down and I, my mind apparently is not that sharp. And normally I would calculate things out. Yeah, the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal done. App is a great way to start, which it appears that you've done, Cade, and, and then you look at what your yield goal is for corn. So you type in 200, for example, and uh, you start with that. And so, yeah, with potassium, the 270 is total removal, but 50 uh, pounds of removal is, let's see, 50 pounds of removal is the grain removal. 220 pounds yeah, is what you need in the stover. Right. But if we're cutting silage, then we could potentially be put not quite that much because roughly half the stover is going to be in your plant roots. And a lot of the potassium flushes out of that plant before, I shouldn't say a lot, some of the potassium flushes out of that plant before it gets cut for silage anyway. But the point is, are we going to put a lot of potash on some ground? Yes. Won't be quite that much unless we are on a build program. And that is also, I'm not quite sure exactly where he's going entirely with this. If we need to build stuff up, we put on much bigger rates. So you can put a lot on, but to Darren's point, if all you're taking off is the grain, you don't need to put on the total thing. You just need to put on the grain number, which is much, much smaller than the total that that crop will use. Okay, next question. He said, you guys also talk about strip-till, and you mentioned putting P and K out with a strip-till applicator. Uh, works great if you're feeding the crop. If you're building, you might consider doing it in a broadcast instead. I do have low K. I do have some low P in areas too. Would strip-till be a good option for my farm, or should I just broadcast with, with all this in a build program? Well, the nice thing with the strip-till or any type of banding is you're going to have faster access. So in fields that are short, you need to make sure that the crop gets the nutrients this year that it needs. And if you just go broadcast some, it may or may not get it this year unless you really build it up. So when you're starting low, that's where we do like banding somehow, some way. So if it was our farm, for example, what would we do? Um, we might go over the top broadcast and do you know a whole bunch, build it up in one shot. But we have also taken it where we go, okay, we know we're short, and we don't need to, and we don't want to do a build program with strip-till, but we want a slight build because we know we're so short. So we'll put on a little bit more than we normally would need to, and we do that in a strip-till. We start there, and then at some point in the future when potash gets cheap, then we go broadcast a whole bunch. All right, his last question, he said, how long does it take to move base saturation percentage up by 1% uh, if I put the K2O on top of crop removal for corn? Uh, so I put an extra 100 pounds on, how long will it take to really make it move? You know what, you're going to need rain to make that happen, and that really varies. We, we did a build program in 2011, in the fall of 2011, just before the 2012 drought, and yeah, we didn't see much show up. It took a couple of years before it really started to move. And, and unless it's real light soil, 100 pounds isn't going to get you very far. That's not much of a build, unless you have really light soil. All right. Thanks for the questions. We appreciate that. And thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.